Hey teachers, my name is Adva Hanan and I am obsessed with everything early childhood education and supporting you through your teaching career. I help you feel supported, encouraged, and continue learning throughout your time, both inside and outside of the classroom. I'm an early childhood teacher who saw a huge gap in how early childhood educators were supported and guided throughout their classroom experience, classroom management, teacher burnout, and distance learning are all topics we cover here. So get ready to learn, grow, and become the best teacher you've always dreamed of being. Let's make an impact together. Hello, I am so excited to have you back on Shaping Little Minds podcast. Today we are starting series of teacher podcasts. This is number one out of three. And I have my great friend, Ashley, who worked with me in the classroom for a few years and has had many years of experience through daycare settings, through special needs settings, and a school setting. So please help me welcome my good friend, Ashley, onto the podcast this week. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. Are you ready to dive in? Oh yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now. I've been working with two and three-year-olds for the past four years. I work in early childhood as a toddler teacher. Um, before I worked in that school setting, I worked for a daycare for four years with ages six weeks to five years old. After mm. that, I worked for three years at a special needs school for ages, I would say six years and younger. Cool. And what were your experiences like in each of those settings? I know now you're working in a school setting, but I'm curious to know what your experiences were like in the daycare, because I know it was corporate, and in the special needs school. So in the daycare, I worked for there for four years, and there were ups and downs. I wasn't so happy at times because I wasn't treated right, but I saw that there was different things that I wasn't experiencing in the right way, and I wanted to move on with my career. Okay, that's great. And what about the special needs school? In the special needs school, I learned a lot from all the other teachers, but I was not treated right there also. Can you elaborate a little bit about how you were treated in those settings? So in the daycare, I was a victim of a fight, and it wasn't professional. Mm. And I just think that a daycare doesn't need a teacher like me to be in there anymore because they need somebody that could maybe other people like wants to have drama in their life. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be in a lot of schools, actually. Drama seems to be a thing, especially in early childhood. And what about right now? How are you in the school setting? What is your experience like now? I love the school setting. I have a family there. Every teacher there helps me, supports me. Even my boss, everybody in the school, doesn't matter if it's early childhood or even elementary school, they're all there to help each one of us. That's amazing. And yes, I can vouch for that because I work there myself. Okay, so do you feel like you have grown through these experiences? Yes, definitely. I've been there for the four years. And since I started there, I realized that toddlers is my age group. And being in the classroom, I feel so confident and want to do more in my life now from it. That's amazing. See, even when you start off rough, it can get better. It can, especially when you're in the right setting. So now we're going to turn the cards over to you, and you are going to ask me questions so that anybody who is listening who has these questions can get some answers. Are you ready? Yeah. 
All right. So my first question is, how do you suggest how to handle tantrums in the classroom? Oh, <laughs> tantrums are fun, aren't they? Yes, lovely. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. So tantrums come out at different times, and a lot of times those tantrums are telling you something about the child. So what the child is experiencing in the classroom. So whether that is the child has tantrums when they don't get their way, and sometimes it could be like because they're so young, it could be a speech issue. It could be a language issue. Or if a child is tantruming about, I don't know, food, maybe, you know, we need to think about if their parents should be sending them lunch instead of hot lunch. Or... We have to think of ways to help them navigate the emotions that they're feeling. So a lot of times at that age, especially, and this is something that I did in the classroom when you were in the classroom with me, is I tried to teach the kids how to express their emotions, but also to understand where their emotions are coming from. So if they're tantruming on the floor, obviously you give them time to cool off. But after that, I would, I would say, like, you seem really sad. Like, why do you think you're so sad? Like, what's going on that is making you so sad? And sometimes they can tell you, and sometimes they can't. But that's why it's always really good to reinforce um, emotions and what they look like and how, and how you can deal with those emotions in a way that is healthy instead of kicking and screaming and tantruming. So that's kind of what I would say in that regard. Thank you. That's yeah. a great suggestion. Okay, what's the next question? How do you co-teach in a classroom? Do you have any suggestions? Ooh, okay. Co-teaching is actually can actually be challenging. And the reason is because it's two people that um, are working together and have almost the same responsibilities. So when you're a co-teacher, a lot of times... Um, it can be hard to set expectations, to set boundaries, but all of those things are really, really important. So when you're co-teaching, you co-teach with someone who has different strengths than you. So maybe you sit down with that person and you talk about your strengths and you talk about what you can do versus what they can do really well. Um, and honestly, your director, your supervisor should always also lay out the expectations, tell you what, what is expected of you, what's expected of your co-teacher. That way, you know, from, from the beginning, the foundation has been set that this is what you're expected to do. This is how you're expected to act. Right. And then from there, you and your co-teacher can work on navigating both of your strengths and both of your weaknesses to be able to work together as a team. Does that help? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to go back again on this. Um, how do you suggest behavior issues in the classroom? Like what kind of behaviors? Hitting, kicking, grabbing. Mm. Very uh, developmentally appropriate at that age. It is um, super developmentally appropriate to hit, kick, grab. But I think what um, what you need to do is not necessarily pay attention to the negative, but find out where that is coming from. Why is that behavior coming out? If it's just to be that kid, which sometimes it is, 
see what's going on inside the family. Like what's happening in the family that might be triggering them. You know, like we, when we worked in the classroom, we had kids who acted out because a baby was coming, right? And we had kids who acted out because something was triggering them. So sometimes you can find those trigger points and actually stop it from happening before they get triggered. You see them starting to get triggered, pull them away from whatever they're doing, redirect them, right? And then if it's just a behavioral issue in general, then reward them for their good behavior. Don't necessarily tell them don't do that or no, that's not allowed or that's not nice. When they do it and you have you have to quote reprimand them, which I really don't like that word, but you have to do that, right? You have to tell them like, you have to tell them like, okay, why did you hit that person? And if they say, you know, they were bothering me, well, what can you do if they're bothering you? And and they say, well, we can tell them to stop. And I, and I would say, well, did you tell them to stop? Sometimes they say yes, yeah, sometimes they say no. Well, if you told them to stop and they didn't stop, what can you do to help? We can go find a teacher, right? That way they know the process. They understand that if someone is bothering them, and I'm not saying that this is going to be like right away, it's not going to happen right away, but if someone is bothering them and their reaction is to hit or push, whatever it might be, and they don't know any better other than to push or slap them, then you can teach them and say, listen, when someone bothers you, you can say, stop it, right? And then if they're not stopping, we're not going to hit, we're not going to push. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to go tell a teacher. And that way they can navigate their frustration. But sometimes that kind of behavior just comes up because it comes up and a lot of times what you can do in a classroom is make the child more of a leader. Have them help you with something. Redirect their their uh, behavior to doing good. So if, if a child is just like aggravating every single student in the classroom, take that child and say, you know what, I see that you might be a little bit bored. Why don't you come help me do this? Or I have to go get something. Do you want to come with me? That way, like, they get out of the classroom. They're not being annoying to everybody else. And they're not pissing the teachers off either, in all honesty, if we're being real on this podcast, which usually we are. So that way, like, it's either redirection or helping them to understand how to navigate their feelings so that they don't hit, push, punch, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Definitely. Okay. So my last question is, how do you lesson plan effectively for early childhood? Ooh, this is a fun one. Um, Okay. When you're in school, you lesson plan to the craziest extent. So it's like 17 pages of a lesson plan. Am I right? You did this. I know you did this in your master's. Mm -hmm. We all do it. But the reality of being a teacher is that you don't actually have that kind of time. You don't have the time to be able to type out your lesson objective and your uh, skills that you want them to learn and the, whatever else you're doing. What you really need to focus on, and specifically in early childhood, is your lesson objective, which is what do you want the students to learn out of that lesson? And then after that, you want to focus on learning opportunities that engage the students. So that could be an art project. That could be um, something in the manipulatives area, whether it's like you're learning about building. So you build a house or you build, a, I don't know, 
anything. Or let's say you're learning about the seven days of creation. You can have an art project about the seven days of creation. And then you can also do a fun um, activity with them on the carpet in, for seven days of creation. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be talking to them because a lot of times at that age, they are more receptive to activities, to movement, to singing. It's not always, it's not what we think of when we think of learning, right? We think, when we think of learning, we think we're sitting in high school, we're sitting at a desk and a teacher is talking at us, right? But two and three-year-olds or even early childhood in general, they don't really care for that kind of style and you have to make it more engaging more fun for them so that they can actually learn so that means um getting those engaging activities uh, into your classroom and that can be an art project that can be um any kind of movement activity it can be uh, an experiment of some sort it can be a baking project it could be it really can be so many different things but as long as you are finding ways to engage your students while also teaching them. Does that make sense? So you're, you, you know exactly where this lesson is going. You know what you want to teach and how you, and, and how you want the kids to verbalize it back to you. The question is, how are you going to make sure that those kids are learning what you want to teach? So what activities, what, what, um, what prep work do you need to do to make sure that you are teaching them in the way that you want to teach them? Does that make sense? Yes. And that was your last question, correct? I do actually have one more. Ooh, let's go. Um, time management. I need to, any oh, suggestions for that. That is my least favorite subject. And I've said this on this podcast that time management is not my best friend. But what I have learned is, and this is honestly working from home, um, and working inside a classroom. When I worked inside my classroom, um, my time management skills inside the classroom were really good. Outside of the classroom, they were awful. But what I have learned is to make sure that any prep period that I had was dedicated to doing something productive for the classroom, right? So if lesson planning is what takes you the longest amount of time, Take, take the prep period on Monday and Tuesday to prep for the next, for the following week. And I'm going to repeat this, and I know this is a very big thing in the teaching world right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. You don't have to work past your contracted hours to be a good teacher. You don't have to work outside of your classroom on the weekend to be a good teacher. You can manage your time to be able to get it done at school. And that might mean that you show up at five minutes early to prep whatever you're looking to prep. That might mean that during your prep periods, every single day, you're setting that prep period to get something done. So if you are, let's say, you need to lesson plan and you need to prep a project, right? And you don't want a lesson plan over the weekend. So on Monday and Tuesday of that week, you say, okay, my prep periods, let's say you have one prep period each day, those two prep periods are dedicated to just lesson planning, right? And then let's say you have another prep period on Thursday. I don't know, I'm just making it up. 
let's say you have another prep period on Thursday, that prep period is going to be dedicated to blank. So every, every prep period should be dedicated to something that you're going to do so that you don't have half as much work. And that's kind of something that I learned. Um, but what I also learned is to lean on others. So if you are struggling to figure out a, a thing that works for you or figure out a lesson, then go to another teacher, ask them for help. Like, don't be shy. And I know that that a lot of times, like, it's not about shyness necessarily, but a lot of times teachers feel a sense of pride asking for help um, because maybe that'll show that they're weak or that they're they're not good enough. But that's not, that's not it at all. Like, if you ask for help, you're asking for help and becoming a better teacher. So time management, use those prep periods to your benefit. In a toddler classroom, you have nap time. Use nap time to your benefit, especially if you're that lead teacher, especially if you have a lot of stuff that you need to get done. Use that time. I know that last year during nap time was my time, was our time, me and the other teacher, to work on newsletters, to work on lesson planning, to work on um, craft creations so that we had art projects ready for the next day. So that wasn't really so much about time management, except it was to the point where basically you're, you're, you're pointing out specific times to get specific things done. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Is that it? Do you have yeah. any more questions? No, no more questions. Woohoo! Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, I'm excited to hear it back. Yes. Thank you so much also for having me on the podcast and please let me know if you ever want me to come back on and talk about more things that I have. I love having teachers on this podcast to share a little bit about their experiences and to ask any questions that they might have. This conversation with Ashley is a conversation that we've had before and we have been through a lot together so it was really really special to have her on the podcast. As always thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode. Uh, if you could share this episode with your teacher friends, leave a review, or just share the episode on Instagram and tag me at Shaping Little Minds. I would love to connect with you. As always, keep learning, growing, and becoming your best teacher self. I am so proud of you. See you next time, teachers.